You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Matthias Tulin at GetAccept. If you want to be a company that scales more than 2x, if you want to scale 5x, 10x, you can't do that with people. You need to do that with Project like Growth. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS Nordic podcast. Now, when we are closing in on Christmas and New Year, we are speeding up a bit and we will deliver you one episode a week for a little while. And then we're going to have a Christmas break. But today, Daniel, what can we look forward to? Today, we're going to discuss the hot topic of product-led growth and what that means for a business. And we have a fantastic guest on the show here, Matthias Tulin from GetAccept and they are running their business according to this new strategy. And he's going to tell us all about what it means to their business. Great. And if you like the show, please help us spread the word. Uh, You can tell your friends, of course, but you could also follow our LinkedIn page and help us like and share the content that we put out. And uh, another thing that you could do is you can go into Apple Podcast and give us a good review. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can always reach out on LinkedIn, but otherwise you can send an email to contact at sasnordic.com. But enough with that. Let's go in and start talking about product-led growth. Today, we are very happy to have Matthias Tulin, a tech serial entrepreneur here at SAS Nordic. So welcome to the show, Matthias. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome, Matthias. Really exciting to have you here. Yeah, it's, it's always great to talk with, with the people with the same passion for tech and, and, and sales like me. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and we have an exciting topic ahead of us. We, Thomas and I have been discussing this a lot, and it's an area that we discuss in our daily jobs, and, and we're really here to pick your brain. So, so be, ready. be ready. Absolutely. Yeah. And before we get into the main topic, we will talk about product-led growth today. It would be interesting to hear a little bit about your background, Matthias, and your journey so far. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I, I mean... I started work with sales more or less when I was 10 years old. I, I sold uh, Christmas flowers to all my neighbors in, in the small town of Växjö, where I'm from. And uh, that's really when I got passionate about like working with sales. But um, yeah, l- l- like, like always when you grow up, you need to do something uh, for real. <laughs> you, you need to like uh, decide what to do with your life. So I started to study <laughs> at the university. And... Uh, so I'm, I'm actually a mechanical engineer in, in my background. But when I started to go out to like the work life again, I just figure out I want to go, go back to sales. And then I combine like sales together with, with different type of uh, tech softwares. So, so my, my journey started with uh, CRM systems, working like, like with customer relationship data and understanding like the value of, of the relationship uh, with the customers and understanding and, and keeping track of all the data and so on. And uh, then I actually got so frustrated back in 2008 uh, because I was also running the sales team. So I was so frustrated that it, it's so hard to like reach out to the right customers, cold calling. I don't think uh, anyone loves cold calling. So then I decided to like figure out a way how to only contact relevant uh, leads or prospects. 
So then I started my, my first like real company uh, to, together with actually one of the co-founders at GetAccept as well. Uh, and that company was Prospectye. And it started out like a lead generation, lead management tool. Uh, but back then we said, it's a tr smart tracking tool for the web page to figure out who's visiting your, your, uh, your homepage and deliver that type of signals to the sales organization. 2010, we did a pivot actually to marketing automation because we also saw based on the interest that we could start nurture things. Like how can we automate every, something coming from like a cold prospect to become a hot prospect? So that was like when, when we decided to, to make that pivot. Uh, we sold that company back in 2013 and then started to sit down again. Okay, like what is the biggest frustration right now? And that was actually not selling uh, in the meetings because it was actually quite easy. I mean, if you work with buzzwords like, like marketing automation back in 2013, it was really easy to like, yeah, yeah, come and, and present that to us. It sounds, we have heard about it. It's a little bit like product-led growth today. Like, yeah, we have heard about it. Yeah, feel free, come in and tell us. Uh, but we had such a big challenge to take that hot lead to become a close contract. Uh, so we, we started to think like, okay, we learned how to nurture a cold lead to become a hot lead. Why can't we start and figure out a company that can nurture like a sales qualified lead to become a close contract? So that was like the main reason why we started GetAccept back in 2015. So yeah, in short, that's my, my, my journey. And uh, with my, uh, my, my last company, we also decided to start it uh, at the probably hardest place in the world uh, in Silicon Valley, in the middle of uh, San Francisco. And uh, we actually applied to Y Combinator because we also understood that starting a company in the US is definitely something different than starting a company here in, in Sweden. I mean, it, for us, it was a little bit like, like when you came out from university, you had no contacts, you have no idea what to do. Uh, so so we, we just thought uh, if, if we apply to Y Combinator, that can be a good start. And we actually managed to, to, to get accepted. What was the driving force to start the business in the U.S. and not on, on your home turf? So, so I mean, I mean in, with our previous company, uh, we managed to, to, to build that company in, in Europe and Asia. And we actually actively decided to not go to, to the States because it was definitely too crowded with marketing automation in, in the States. We saw them more like an inspiration, but uh, we, we stay here in, in Europe mostly and, and Asia. And it was also uh, dependent on that we had different type of data quality. Uh, I mean, we're having such a good data. When you tell the Americans like how much things we uh, we know about people and companies, they 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 don't believe us. Uh, <laughs> so 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 it will. You couldn't have like the same platform in in US and, and in Europe. So I mean, that's like the big hairy goal. If you're working with tech, uh, if you really want to become like a big global company, and that is like like the main driver for me right now making a big change uh, uh, with global impact, then you need to have some kind of, of connections to the States. And if you want to, to become big in the States, uh, Silicon Valley is definitely the best place to be. Yeah, and as we had one previous guest here, Emil from Neo4j, that said exactly the same thing that as, as Swedish founders, we need to try to be, or Nordic founders, we need to try to be more aggressive and because if you make it in the US, at some point you're going to conquer the world. If you make it in Europe, it's not necessarily the same outcome in the long term. So being successful in the US is, is critical. Uh, I wanted to come back a little bit to what you said. You guys started your journey uh, at one point with uh, Y Combinator. And I think a lot of know them as probably the best accelerator program in the world. Uh, and it would be 
uh, a dream for many entrepreneurs to start their journey there. Can you tell us a little bit how you guys got into that cycle? Yeah, I, I, I mean, for us, it was like, like, we know that's probably like the hardest uh, accelerator to get accepted to. So like, if, if we can even just meet them, we will get so much relevant feedback. So for us, it was to, like, take this application uh, for real, really spend time to try to nail it. And uh, actually, when, when, we, when we got the information that, that you are welcome to the interview, we, we just said to them, yeah, but uh, me, and, me and Jonas, uh, we are actually in the States right now, so we can come up to you guys. They say, no, all founders need to fly here. Okay. Okay, so we okay. need to bring everyone from Sweden as well. So, so uh, the other two co-founders, yes. And you said the interview is 10 minutes, and that should include our vision, presentation of us, and a product demo and everything, and we should travel for that? Yes. Okay, so, so, so the whole interview is only, you only have 10 minutes in total to explain your product, uh, your backgrounds, your vision, and why you will be a global, uh, and someone changing the world in, in one industry or vertical. Uh, so that is really hard. So we actually started like two weeks before to just, first of all, talk uh, English, just to like get used to it. We really like, I think we wrote down more than 100, 150 questions and we had predefined answers and exactly who should answer them. And only that question, don't talk about anything else because you need to, to make sure that you can deliver everything you want in that short interview. So we prepared right. a lot uh, and, and we really did so many things to stand out. We brought the Swedish candy, we dressed crazy. I mean, we really <laughs> tried everything to stand out and um, yeah, it worked. So the cool thing is they have the interview in the afternoon and then they just say, uh, we, we call you in the evening if you uh, get accepted or we just email you the day after. So when, when the clock was like about eight o'clock, we said, fuck, they will not call us. Uh, let's go out and have a dinner. And at the same time, when we waited for our Uber, they actually called us. Uh, and we have that, <laughs> that, 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 that we actually managed to record that um, phone call. So we have it in our reality show if you want to listen to it. Uh, so <laughs> after that call, uh, I don't even remember what happened. We were just like so happy screaming and uh, I can say we can't use that Airbnb account anymore. We needed to change because we got some complaints from the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> so how far had you come with the company and the product then? Did you actually have a product? So, so we, we launched our first beta customers in uh, October, September, October, and we got accepted into Y Combinator in December. So we actually didn't have any paying customers at all. So we had uh, 50 uh, paying, uh, or 50 beta customers. Um, so it was very early stage. And this was, when was this, 2013, 14? Uh, 15. 15, sorry. Okay. 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 And uh, did they at that time uh, do the um, fixed rate? They, they, they grab a percentage and you get a valuation of whatever it was, 100K or 120K? Or... Yeah. So, so, so they, they, they give you... Uh, a certain amount and uh, they take 7% of the company. So it's, it's, it's nothing you can negotiate about. It's exactly the same for everyone. Uh, and then you get, get uh, the money. I think for us, it was $120,000. Uh, right. The, the cool thing we did was actually when we received the money, so we, we, we actually didn't need them back then. Uh, it was so early days. We have funded ourselves a little bit. So my co-founder Jonas, he actually bought a Tesla. Uh, meanwhile, uh, during that time, <laughs> and we branded it like, like a uh, like a race car, like, like with logo, sponsors, and everything. And we made like the Y Combinator sponsor. And then we said to Y Combinator that we took the money and bought the Tesla. 
And they got so <laughs> angry. <laughs> and we kept that tr truth for them in one week. And, and it was so much noise going on about us. Like, have you heard about Get Accept? They bought a Tesla for the money. They are stupid. How could they? <laughs> of course, it was Jonah's private money. Okay. <laughs> hey, before we move on to some of the other topics, I was just curious from a Y Combinator perspective, besides the money, what type of uh, support did they give you guys in your journey? So, so uh, I was very skeptic in the beginning because I, I said incubators, accelerators, it's mostly for like first time founders, like how to start a company, how should you hire and so on. But, but I had totally wrong about, about this because it's so much more about networking. Uh, we just um, uh, figure out that, that it's mostly like second times or third times entrepreneurs that actually get accepted into Y Combinator. So they really help you like with the networks they they have uh, like knowledge and uh, about more or less everything it doesn't matter if you're hardware software or or, or uh, med tech they really have like the best advisors internally and for, for us it was uh, like i said we didn't know anyone so they could help us to introduce us to like linkedin rockbox and uh, like like all relevant companies uh, over there and i mean calling from Sweden and say, hi, LinkedIn, we would like to meet uh, the VP of sales or, or the product manager. Uh, they will just say, or we will not even be able to call them, I can say. So it helped us so much. Uh, and I would say now doing fundraising and, and now uh, like, oh, we want to add advisors into our, our board and so on. It's actually even more value now uh, from the Y Combinator. And I read, they have like, like a, local it, it, it's called bookface so it's like a facebook but but only for the, like the alumni uh, of y combinator i spend at least 20 minutes there every day helping other founders and uh, reading all conversations going on it's, it's like it's like my daily newsletter that sounds amazing <laughs> actually now five years after the, the yc uh, i get more value out of it during like that hectic time in, in the program three months really cool but continue to to get accept. Uh, what problem do you solve for your customers? So I mean, when, when we started, I, I, I said before that I, I was so frustrated that it was so hard to close the, the deals. So I, I mean, either it's me bad at selling or it's actually a global problem. So we needed first of all investigate that. So uh, together with Aberdeen, we, we saw like a big study that sixty percent of all sent out proposals actually just go dark end up like in status quo nothing happens and you only win um, one out of four and if you talk with a sales manager uh, like you daniel i know that you're running this uh, big sales team yeah closing one out of four opportunities that that's like yeah it's it's okay but they don't understand that 16 percent is lost to competitors and 60% is lost to status quo. Everyone working with say, oh, if I just got that feature, if, if we just could fix this, then I will close the deal. But the biggest competitor is actually a sales rep's ability to make the uh, potential customer to actually make a decision at all. Uh, so right. that is the problem we want to solve. And to fix that, we, we, we built like, you can say it's a, like a CRM between the end uh, prospect and the sales rep. So it's a place where they can communicate, they can, can uh, upload content, they can have chat conversations and they can sign off the contracts. So they, it's like a micro page of running the, the sales process. 
Really cool. And I know that you guys have been obviously growing in, in crazy speed and uh, Get Accept as a company have been awarded all kinds of awards for fastest growing B2B sales company and so on. And I, I know also recently I saw you were awarded a local award here in our region for one of the best entrepreneurs or the best entrepreneur of the year making a biggest impact here. So congratulations to all of those things. Um, are you able to share some growth numbers with us related to Get Accept? Yeah, I can, I, can, I can say high levels. I mean, we, we more or less uh, double all the time. And, and I think that's what you need to do when you're working with SaaS to like be in what, what to call a like high, close to hyper growth or, or very fast growing company. Two X is, is like a good metrics to, to think of uh, on an annual basis. And I think when you're working with SaaS, it's also very important to understand uh, your share numbers, like how many customers you lose. And I would say one of our best numbers is definitely, and that's also related to product-led growth, is actually that, that we lose less than 1% of our customers on a monthly basis. And we actually increase, meaning that the net retention is 123% the first year and 168% uh, year two, meaning that if we close down our business right now, we will still grow a lot. Uh, based on like, like the built-in virality and so on. Okay, so uh, ARR is doubling year over year, and then you have a net negative churn. Uh, the existing customer base is contributing to a lot more than the 1% that leaves. Yes. How is your organization growing? So, <clears throat> I mean, from the beginning, we were very sales-driven. So we have offices in, in Colombia, US, Norway, Denmark, Sweden, uh, UK, France. Uh, today mm -hmm. and, and yeah that that is probably is some a big challenge of course running so many offices at the same time so maybe uh, when working more remote uh, a more centralized model will be be to prefer but uh, you can say from the beginning it was very sales led i mean we are sales people uh, so we started to hire a lot like a lot of sales people and, uh, and that worked good. I mean, a lot of outbound activities and so on. Uh, but we saw that, that if we want to hire a lot of people, so I mean, 2018, we grow from 20 to 100 people more or less, uh, in, like in one year. And, and that is, of course, a challenge when it's a lot of salespeople, meaning that, that we, we actually saw that our bottleneck was uh, generating good leads ourselves. So that's why we needed to like, shift to a, like a more marketing-led model. Right. So you can say we started as, uh, as like a sales-led uh, company and then we moved to like a marketing-led uh, and hired, of course, like a lot of uh, people now in, in the marketing team. And how, how many are you guys today? Uh, 118. 118, wow. B the biggest challenge for us is, is actually to, to like scale the, the other departments because we are so used to like, like scale sales and it's, it's quite easy, but scaling our product and marketing was a much bigger challenge for us based on our previous experience. So we already mentioned product-led growth here. And if we start from the beginning, what does that mean? Yeah, I, I, I think to understand it better, I think you also need to understand the history of selling and product-led growth is, is related to, to like a SaaS companies. So if you look back in, in the 90s, we sold to like C-levels uh, and that, that was actually when I started to work with sales as well. You many times took the car or, or train and visit the customers. You presented like, like a very big expensive offer. It was always uh, involved like some kind of like uh, IT department and uh, 
you sold many times on premise, uh, meaning, meaning that it was a big project, a lot of change management and a big cost. And then in the twenties, we saw the, the, the first shift moving to cloud. It was not, not uh, always the C level. It was many times the managers that could took the decision. We also moved to like uh, more subscription models, meaning that, that the price uh, went down a lot, meaning that it's easier to sell. It's not that big of, <clears throat> of project and implementation since it was, uh, was in the cloud. So that, that is like how the shift has been the, the last 20, 30 years. And what you see right now is that it's growing so much. I mean, just looking at our uh, space, sales and MarTech, uh, back in, in uh, 2013, it was like 1,500 uh, tools in, 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 in our area uh, on a global basis. And today it's more than 8,000, meaning that it's so many tools out there and it's quite easy to be honest to start a company today. Uh, but then you need to do it so much better and to, for p people to understand the difference like, like what's the, what is actually the difference between like DocuSign and get accept and so on you, you many times need to try the product uh, because it's, it's very hard to like just in writing uh, tell them uh, exactly right. your narratives of course that's the best so uh, product-led growth is, is actually a shift so instead of working like so focused uh, for the marketing team with like white papers and so on, you actually let people start and try the product. So product-led growth is actually letting your product drive a lot of the sales process instead of marketing and sales people. Okay. And I can understand that this works for, I mean, certain kinds of products. I, I think Dropbox was an early example of this, right? Something that you adopted yourself and then could spread to others uh, because they saw that you were effective in sharing your documents and so on. But what, what is the criteria for a company to be able to start working with product-led growth? That, that, that's a very good question. And, and I actually get that questions many times. Like, could we use product-led growth? And... Uh, you can say you have some criteria. In one way, you need to have some definition of a user because that's very good if you have a user-based model because then you can actually scale uh, if people start to talk about it. You need to have a price point that's fairly low uh, because many times in product-led growth, you also have like a payment wall, uh, meaning that, that you want a credit card payment or something. And... Um, most of the companies that have been really successful with the product-led growth, they, they also use like a freemium model. It's not a must, but it's, it's a very much uh, like a great freemium model is all many times related to, to like a product-led growth strategy. And I, I think the, the, the last thing is that you need to have like a short time to value. Because if you, if you onboard someone or they just sign up, they need to understand the value very fast or else they will not be able to like continue to use the product uh, so long. Uh, many times when you deep dive to this, uh, you talk about uh, a number of seven minutes. You have seven minutes to make sure that you have activated the customer in a good way so they understand the value. Okay, so if I sign up to get accept, uh, I, I want to, you know, have a better control over the signage of uh, my contracts. What happens in those seven minutes that gets me hooked? So for, for us, the, the most important activation is actually that you share a content. So that, that was like, like the, uh, it, it doesn't matter if a customer sign up and like, oh, that was a beautiful interface. Oh, it looks cool. Uh, they actually need to see the value. If I share something with you, like a, a white paper, a content piece, proposal, contract or whatever, 
And I, I get feedback like, oh, if you forward it to someone else, have you looked at it? What pages, like the tracking thing, that is like the most important for us to, to say that someone been activated. So we say you need to share at least two content pieces within the first seven minutes to make sure that you have been activated. Okay, and what kind of content pieces is that? Do I need to provide the content then? Do I need to sort of already have something that I want to share or do you facilitate that in any way? These type of discussions is exactly the ones you need to have like in the, in the product team because when we started to interview customers like, oh, why didn't you send out uh, something? I didn't know what to send out. So exactly right. what you said, what, should I provide <laughs> something? So that's like why we prepare now the database with content pieces for you. Like try to share this piece this product paper or try to share this. So we have already like predefined templates with content. So they don't need to like sit down and figure out what things they want to, to share right now, because many times they don't have anything prepared. They just want to try out the platform, but we know if they want to see the value, they need to share something. So, so that's exactly how you should work with product led growth, like understanding the bottlenecks. Okay. We, if we know that they need to share something, then we need to help them to have something to share. Right. So at what point does your sales team in engage with somebody that accesses this freemium version? So for us, uh, it, it's it actually dependent on, on a different type of things. So I mean, we have started our, our journey to product-led growth. I will not say we are 100% there at all yet, uh, but, but uh, we, are, we are like one third on the way. Uh, so you can say uh, we try to so when someone uh, sign up, we, we, we check up uh, the user based on a lot of like uh, internet service and checkups. Uh, what type of customer it is. It's a private person. Is it a big company? Is it a small company? Is it a company that, that's in our ICP, uh, ideal customer profile? So depending on what type of customer it is and, and geographic, we decide if, if we should just like let the platform nurture it fully or we, if we actually should contact them because it's actually our dream customer and it's uh, it's actually with a customer we had relationship before we, we can check that against our crm as well but so, so, so i would say it differ but many times we want them to be activated and we want them to at least use the platform for for uh two weeks that's normally when when we try to see if we can engage with them but we have also built in a lot of things so we try to not like force them to talk with a sales rep. So if you sign up to our platform, we, we ask them much more if they want to like uh, talk with a product specialist, only focusing on getting them activated. So it's not about selling at all, it's only to get them more activated in the platform because we know if they get activated, they will probably buy later on. Okay. Does that mean, if I understand this correctly, that potentially the first contact with a new prospect might not be with the sales team. It actually might be with the product team or even customer success team. Yes. Okay. Interesting. And that hurts. And that's also why many, many customer uh, companies says it's so much easier to go from like product led growth and add like a sales led uh, strategy for like some, some type of accounts. Uh, but we coming at the opposite, like, like I, I mentioned, our sales journey started uh, selling outbound even. That, that was like what we really good at back in the days. And going from sales led to product led, meaning that you need to, to start to say no to customers you, you used to talk to directly, like call them within five seconds when they sign up. Right. And that hurts because you're, you're getting used to like uh, both as, as founder, as VP of sales, and also as investors to a certain amount of revenue. And when you go to, to product-led growth, you actually push the revenue a little bit forward. 
and sometimes that can be very frustrating and and also hard but you need to do it yeah if you want to grow 5x and not 2x scaling sales is not uh, any global uh, uh, alternative you need to go to product-led growth if you want to be become a 5x company SAS Nordic is growing, and now we're launching a unique peer-to-peer community on Slack. My name is Nina, I'm the SAS Nordic Community Manager, and I would like to invite you to join this exciting forum. This will be the place to network, collaborate, and share knowledge with other SAS professionals in the Nordics. The SAS Nordic community is free and open to everyone working in Nordic SAS companies. Come join us at sasnordic.com. We can't wait to have you on board. There's a lot of companies that are talking about product-led growth now. And just like you said, like all of us are just starting to dabble into it. And it's, it's a fairly new concept while it still existed for, for some, some time. There's not that many Nordic companies that at least that I am aware of that are 100% product-led growth businesses. For you guys to, to start this transition and this journey, can you walk us through this exercise a little bit and what it took for you guys to get to where you are today? Yeah, first of all, you, you need to understand like what should your, your like wedge in be uh, and wedge in is, is like the freemium tool. I mean, you, you have, a, I, I can mention my three uh, favorite tools for, for, for um, product-led growth. First of all, you have Slack and they, the reason why I'm so impressed of Slack is that they don't actually have any built-in virality. It's only uh, product-led growth based on word of mouth. And that means like when you're having like a huge NPS and people actually talk about you and when they move to another company, they implement you. That is like the best uh, growth you can have. But it's very hard to have like ha- having such high NPS numbers like, like, like Slack. Another company really successful in product-led growth is uh, DocuSign. And DocuSign is, is quite similar to our strategy, uh, meaning that, that you have something that you share to other companies and they actually been exposed to like the brand and like they like the experience and then they sign up and, and use it. So, so we use like a lot of same tactics uh, like, like DocuSign, meaning that, that we know if, if a customer share a contract with, with five other customers, uh, that scales like our, our growth model as well. And then you're having more, more like you mentioned also Dropbox. Dropbox is also like a very good product-led growth. And, and that is also like a virality built in. But it's, it's also important to understand that Facebook is not actually product-led growth. Facebook's scale is based on network effects. And that's not the same thing like, like uh, virality, uh, meaning that you don't get value until you have, you have like a lot of users. So many times you get confused there. So going back to your question about, about the get accept journey. So we discussed a lot, like what is our wedge in? And in the beginning, our wedge in was uh, e-signing. And, and the reason for that is that, I mean, we had our strategy, like we want to help with sales enablement, driving like the sales process uh, when you're working remote and so on. But when we talked about that in Europe, people didn't understand in 2015 because it, it was like missing the goal. Uh, we could talk about uh, that in Silicon Valley because uh, people understood it there. But as soon as even in, in the States, when you when you talked about it with companies like in Texas or Minnesota, uh, it, it was still like more back to e-signing. So you need to understand like how mature is the market and what is a potential very good freemium tool they would like to use. So for us, e-signing was like a good wedge in and it's been, been amazing in, in Europe. I mean, First of all, the GDPR, that really helped us a lot, to be honest. I think 
we, we are one of few companies that loves GDPR and pandemics uh, as, as a company. I, I was just about to say, finally, somebody that likes GDPR. <laughs> uh, because because th that helped uh, people to understand like they needed to have control of the documents and contracts. So, so that really speeded up our growth. And, and, and second, pandemic, when you need to work, like, work remote, but you still need to make a lot of decisions. So that helped us also. Meaning that, that e-signing is a very good wedge in, but to be honest, uh, a better wedge in for us will be something more bottom up. Because e-signing is many times like a top-down decision. You, you decide at, at the company, like, we want to use this provider. But if you're using a bottom-up model, meaning that, that the, the sales department could use like different type of to tools for like document tracking and so on, uh, that is like a perfect uh, product for, for product-led growth. Just let it be spread out and, and, and all users could use it. and They don't even need to ask the manager if they can use that free tool because it brings them value and slowly it just starts to grow. Okay, interesting. So, I mean, you have mentioned this with a... Uh to capture the customers uh, fast, the seven minutes, uh, minutes of attention, and uh, also shorten time to value. But this whole approach, what demands does it put on the product and the product team? Oh, that's the biggest challenge. Uh, and that's something you underestimate all the time. Uh, and I'm so impressed of, uh, for instance, HubSpot. I, we work very closely with them how much they work and polish every feature. They actually spend, they say they spend one third of the time when they develop like a new button or like something new. It's, uh, it's like one third of the time only with naming. What should this uh, button <laughs> or field be called? Because if you're working product-led growth, you don't have any time to like uh, have someone connected to them and talk with them. So, so we use that you can talk with a product specialist because our product is not good enough to like be, be self-instructed. Uh, mm. and, and if you want to become best in class, you need to, to it needs to like be so simple so you don't need to talk with anyone. And that's why I'm so impressed of like Slack because you think, oh, it's so easy and it just works. Uh, so we actually have, have the, the head of growth and, and the CMO from Slack in our board. And he told us <clears throat> just when they released like the emojis that you could use like emojis, they had 36 iterations before they even released it. So like they, they, they yeah. did 36 wow. different releases just to figure out like the best process. And, and we coming from like, oh, emojis, perfect, add it. Yeah, oh, make it like this. Perfect, release it, ship it, done. Uh, now we're getting into product-led growth mode and need to understand like we need to test it we need to evaluate it we need to get feedback uh, so you need to polish so much more and you need to make it so smooth uh, or else uh, it will not be able to be a product-led growth company and i can just yeah, say like, like i got so surprised when we met dropbox the first time i still remember it so so well uh, so, so i met a girl at the after work and i talked with her like oh so what do you do at uh, at dropbox oh, i work with the upload button I said, oh, <laughs> amazing. So she had, a, she had like, like the responsibility for the upload button. I said, oh, don't you get bored just working with that button? No, no, no. We're actually a big team of nine people working with that, just that button. <laughs> ah, okay. Now I understand why you need to be 1,000 developers uh, for that uh, uh, type of platform that my co-founder said, I can build that on the weekend. But it's like, if you really <laughs> want to be product-led, you need to like polish, 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 evaluate, try and, and make small changes all the time. And I think that's yeah. something you don't understand if you have not been into it. And, and I think you, you said how, how, how we structure it and so on. I mean, KPIs measure 
everything inside the products, how people use it is so important. And we missed that. We, we, we measured everything in sales in the beginning. And then we started to measure everything related to marketing. But uh, in, in the product, we tracked everything, but we didn't use it for anything. Uh, so now we start to use the data as well. Yeah, because now it's not just enough to have a cool feature that your pre-sale can show in a demo, or it's not enough to have like a nice roadmap that you show to the C-levels or to the board. Or so you actually need to have a product that your customers fall in love with from the beginning and that they see that they have value from. So, um, but what what uh, what technology do you use, or maybe you don't want to say, but to be able to track all these small interactions in the product, and how do you follow up on that? What team is working with that at your company? Yeah, I, I think if I should do this journey again, uh, I will do it the opposite. I will start with, with just not selling the product at all the first year. I will just like release it for freemium and see what people like. And I will track everything. Uh, and uh, good tools to use. I mean, you have several tools out there, but, but uh, one of my favorite, uh, if I should mention one, is Pendo. And Pendo is so cool because it tracks everything. And then you can decide later on what you want to use the data for. Because that's normally what you're missing in the beginning, that you forget to track something. And then like, oh, if we just knew about that back then. Uh, so, so Pendo is a good thing of like, it tracks everything, but then you decide what, when you want to use the data. And also, uh, what our biggest mistake uh, in, in the dev team was to underestimate how many designers we need. Uh, so we just like, oh, we love AI, machine learning, like hire more, more cool integrations and, and cool backend uh, things. It needs to be fast and so on. But, but then the UI, like we didn't spend uh, at all as much time as needed. Uh, so now we uh, ha have so many people working with, with like design, mockups and so on. And, and we totally, I shouldn't say we forgot that because we actually active skipped that, but uh, we didn't know how how much it will hurt going to product lab growth. And also ask work tight with people that have done that journey before. We managed to hire like, like the, one of the best product lab growth journeys is actually Evernote. So we managed to hire the first product manager from Evernote. So uh, fortunately, fortunately he's from, from Sweden, from Skåne, uh, <laughs> living in, in Silicon Valley for many years, moving back. And uh, we were more or less like meet him just up at Kastrup please come to us. Uh, so, so <laughs> having someone that have seen the movie before is very good. It helps you a lot. Speaking about these metrics that you now have coming from the product itself, uh, to what extent, if any, are these triggered back into your sales team? And how do we make these, this information available for the sales team for them to act upon it? I would say one of the biggest components to be successful in product-led growth is that it's, it's a company decision, meaning that, yeah. that it needs to be transparent. Everyone needs to understand. Sales needs to understand why they're not allowed to contact everyone now uh, anymore. Uh, marketing needs to understand like when it's, it's uh, working against MQLs or PQLs, product-qualified leads, instead of marketing-qualified leads. So I think it's, it, you need to talk about this on a global company level. Uh, or else it will be a failure. And that's also why you need to measure it and be transparent for all departments about the KPIs. So we talk so much about the activation, for instance, uh, how many of our signups that, that's activated. We talk so much about, about uh, uh, how many that co actually converts in later on to, to, to payment, how many that converts into to the sales department and so on. So um, I, I think it's important to like 
not only talk about your funnel KPIs from the sales department, you need to like add some product-led uh, KPIs as well. And activation is like our most important. Companies that are considering uh, product-led growth strategies, um, I think it's an easy way to, to, to start thinking that, okay, I'm going to have to have a freemium type of version. In your opinion, is, is that the right way to go? Is that the only way to go? It's a good way to go, but absolutely not the only way to go. Uh, so, so one of the, the platforms I'm really impressed of, uh, and you can say they're actually doing a product-led growth journey as well, and a very good one as well, is Superhuman. And Superhuman, uh, when you sign up to Superhuman, it's like, like an email platform. Uh, you need to commit your time. You are not allowed to try the product out if you don't get onboarded 30 minutes from them. And, and, and that's something they learn, that, that the platform is, is not so complicated, but they know that they have so much better hit rate and conversion rate if they actually can talk uh, and let the product specialist talk with them. Uh, so, so they have it as a criteria to even get onboarded. And then they having like a lot of product-led growth built in virality in, in, in like the footer and so on when you use the platform. So, so they get like a lot of inbound. And um, for everyone signing up, it's the same thing. Absolutely. We are so happy to let you try out the product, but you need to invest 30 minutes of your time. Uh, and that is also like uh, something that you could pay with. It's not only money. Sometimes you pay with your time because they know that, that uh, you will uh, increase like the hit rate 50% if you actually take that onboarding. Uh, so it's definitely worth it uh, for them uh, when they calculate the numbers. And, 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 uh, of course, you're having, having a lot of other companies as well being successful with, with not working only with the freemium model. So if you're having a higher price point, it, it's many times also more relevant with like a limited uh, type of, of trial. And what I don't like and something we are going to move away from as well is time limited trial. It's so much better to have a threshold instead based on like where you know they're getting the value. But you have a two-week trial now, right? We have that now. Uh, but, but then but you can actually continue to use our product for free. So it's, it's that you have like the full feature stack for two weeks and then it goes into like a solo account, meaning that you have some limitations, some thresholds on feature level. But the most successful model work, uh, moving into PLG is actually to having like more or less all features uh, and then you have other thresholds based on like how many documents you send and so on. I mean, Slack is like one of the best product growth. They have, you have all features more or less and in, uh, uh, if you want to see more messages than 10,000 or 1,000 or what it is, then you need to pay. So meaning that it takes like, like five to six months until you hit that threshold. But when you hit it, it hurts. And when it hurts, they have so many users and it's it actually like a really good deal for them. And they have so many, many, many users using that platform. So uh, thresholds is much better than time limits. And, and that's what I said. That's why it hurts to change now because uh, then you actually say no to some revenue upfront and push it forward. Uh, but you need to do that. We need to do it. So talking about things that hurts, uh, when you were in the state, did you sort of uh, hurt <laughs> then? Did you do any mistakes that you want to share? Uh, uh, I, I, I mean, we have actually done like a whole reality show about this. So if, if you Google at YouTube inside Silicon Valley, you can see, see like a whole reality show about mistakes more or less. Uh, so yes, we have done tons of them. I, I, I think the 
two ones I remember mostly. Of course, we, we, we dressed out totally wrong. We didn't understand that, that, the, that you should have like cool t-shirts with cool tech brands. We, we, we went to the outlets and bought the, our Ralph Lauren shirts and the investors just laughed at us. It's like, oh, the polo guys, <laughs> the Ralph Lauren guys, <laughs> welcome. Uh, but, but I think what, what hurts more related to the business was that, uh, I, mean, I mean, coming from Sweden, you always invoice the customer. So we sold to like quite good brands like, oh, yes, and we celebrated and, and everything. And then we sent the invoice and we never heard back from them because they don't have any, <laughs> they, they don't use invoice. It's only credit, credit card or you pay uh, with wiring directly to the bank. So invoice is not like they don't understand how to handle the invoice. So it took us like, like first of all, too long until we understood that, like six months. So we didn't receive any money at all, like the first six months in the States. Uh, so that was like a big mistake that hurt us a lot. Uh, and we, we didn't manage to catch up all the money. Uh, so, so, so that was a big learning. And also, <laughs> I think uh, the most fun thing and embarrassing is, is probably that, that, I mean, coming from Sweden, you, you're not so used to talk English all the time. And, and uh, when we hired the first, um, uh, local people from San Francisco, they just looked at us. Why do you say that you're Native Americans every, every time you talk with investors and customers? <laughs> uh, and what we wanted to say is that, yeah, like you hear, we're not from here. So, but, but we said, yeah, so like you hear, we are not the Native Americans. They said like, oh, yeah, okay, we understand that you are not Indians. Yes. <laughs> so, so That's yeah, funny. You, you, you just, uh, some, uh, <laughs> and we have been sitting for three months, uh, all of us co-founders saying the same story about that we're not Indians to starting every conversation more or less with that we, we live and we learn speaking about learning here uh, you shared a lot of good um, information with us on, on your journey and specifically related to product-led growth for companies that are just about to embark on this journey or exercise what's your top three advice to them uh first of all uh start to, to, to measure something uh, related to like the activation, like when people sign up and, and start to use your tool. And if you don't ha have that, that possibility, make sure that you have that possibility to like, in one way, try the product out. Uh, limited trial or, or, uh, or freemium. It doesn't matter, just start to, to get that. Uh, make sure to involve like, like, the second thing is make sure to involve like the whole company so they understand that it's actually like, like a big initiative and it will, affect everyone uh, and when you're building that product-led growth team make sure that you have enough designers because that is many times what what you what you miss and the third thing remember that is this is like like a long journey uh, make it in steps just pick one two projects and make sure to like start with them evaluate and and don't try to like rebuild your product make small changes uh, and and uh, Make sure to track, measure, evaluate, and, and just continue. Uh, because it, if you decide to go into like the product-led growth, you will never be done. Uh, it, it's like you will always make small changes. It's like an evolution of the platform. Really good advice. And it, it, it hurts me to say a little bit, but running a sales organization, obviously, it sounds a little bit like initially you need to invest more in product and design rather than in salespeople. Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, I can live with that. Depending on what you want to do with the company. If you want to be a company that scales more than 2x, if you want to scale 5x, 10x, you can't do that with people. You need to do that with product-led growth. 
Uh, this has been really interesting, uh, and uh, we will probably get back to this topic as well because, uh, uh, yeah, I think there is a lot more to dive in around this as well. But um, yeah, in one year, I can tell you more mistakes about what we <laughs> what we have failed with. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe you can help us in another direction here. I don't know who would you like to see on the show and why. And uh, it doesn't have to be a person within product-led growth, but but a, a person that you think would be interesting to have on the show. So so one person I really look up to is actually Johan Hedberg. He was the CEO of Cinch. So that was like a local Swedish company moving to the States, more or less like we did. So we have uh, we have looked at them really like, like a... Uh, try to copy the best thing they, they have done. So they moved from Sweden to US. Uh, and uh, challenge like the biggest uh, SMS provider in the world, Twilio, and uh, they have done an amazing journey. And now they are on, on the stock to uh, and and continue to do like amazing journey. So his learnings on scaling companies fast, I think what they have been very successful with is uh, acquisitions. So I think uh, understanding more how you can uh, move a Swedish company to to US and actually uh, be very successful is is interesting. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Matthias. This was uh, really great. Um, a lot, lot of good uh, information that we will take with us and hopefully our listeners will enjoy as well. And I'm sure you're open to, if somebody has additional questions, they can always reach out to you. That's definitely something I, I learned in US. Always be open to help because uh, that will always like just be so interesting conversations. So uh, yeah, my email is uh, matthias at getaccept.com. So just feel free to reach out to me. Super. Great. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. Likewise. All right. That was really interesting. Daniel, what was your main takeaway from this episode? Indeed it was. And, and for me personally, uh, it's my second nature. As soon as somebody wants to talk to us, we throw salespeople at them. And the biggest takeaway now is that that's not the right approach. You got to put enablement or customer success people that can help the customer with the product and their journey that's the first contact point so that was the biggest takeaway for me how about you thomas so what i thought of was this that you need to capture the customer super fast you have a few minutes uh, where you need to provide an excellent product experience you need to have a great user interface and you also need to provide an action that can provide value so you have to have something that your customer can do send away, publish or so. And if you want to do this really good, there should also be a viral component to it. And I think it's interesting, no matter what kind of product you have, if you have some piece of that product that can have these characteristics and can help you using the power of product-led growth. Indeed, really interesting. And uh, again, thank you everybody for joining the show. Uh, next week, we have another fantastic guest joining us in Ula Sauce from Soundtrack Your Brand. Uh, he's going to talk about something called content-driven SaaS. What is that all about, Thomas? Well, we are going to go quite deep into that next week and see how it differs from regular SaaS. Ula has another word for regular SaaS. We won't spoil it, but it's uh, quite funny, I think. And uh, working with content-driven SaaS, it changes a lot of the dynamics of uh, your business. But, um, well, that's it. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs>